0: We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37 today, and again, as as Ian mentioned, we also uh, went out last Sunday after church, and we prayed on the the land, and uh, we had 54 of you come out there and pray on the land with us. Thank you for that. It was exciting. We're doing that again on Saturday at 6.30 a.m. You're reading that, right? 6.30 a.m., and if any of you are coming, let me know. I'll give you my coffee order, and uh, you can bring me some coffee, but 6.30 a.m., we're going to be out there on the land. How many of you know there's just something about the morning? I love the morning. I love the morning. There's just something about the morning. So we're going to meet out there. Some of y'all are like, yeah, there's something about the night, and y'all need to just come over. Hey, everybody, Everybody! everybody, you know, I'll celebrate that for you. Um, But uh, So so we're going to do that on Saturday, 6.30, and I believe it's 8 o'clock is the second one. So we'll have two kind of waves of prayer uh, on the land this coming Saturday, so that's going to be exciting. So hopefully you've gotten to Ezekiel 37. I'm going to read a few verses, and I'm going to jump back and tell you a story. Is that all right? Okay, very good. One of you. Awesome. Thank you. All right, so the hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel 37, verse 1, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and so Ezekiel is having a vision here. Okay, Ezekiel's having a vision, and God brought him in the vision to this valley, the middle of the valley that's full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, many bones, that is, and behold, they were very dry. Now, anytime we see something in Scripture, we've got to dive into it, right? Because Scripture don't lie. Okay, Scripture don't lie. Look at your neighbor and say, Scripture don't lie. Scripture don't lie, all right, all right. And so, so the the the, the reality here is is that the, the scripture here says they're very dry. What does that mean? Somebody tell me what that means. Dead. They're dead, and they've been dead, right? It's not. I mean, they're. I mean, you could almost say, and I'm not trying to be irreverent or insensitive here, but they're very dead. Okay, they're 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 dry, and they've been dry for a long time. Um, and then verse four, verse three, excuse me. And he said to me, God saying to the to Ezekiel here in the valley of dry bones, "Son of man, can these bones live?" And I answered, Ezekiel said, "O Lord God, you know, O Lord God." You know. Now I want to ask you this morning as we get started: Have you ever been in the "Oh Lord, you know" moment? Have you ever been in a season of "Oh Lord, you know"? I don't know. I don't have a clue. But God, God, if these bones are going to live, you know, and you're going to be the one that makes it happen. It was 2008. Bria had just been born, and uh, I'm a youth pastor down in North Kakalaki, All right, that's the Greek for North Carolina. All right. And, um, and we were down in North Carolina, and uh, student, student ministry was booming, was growing, and, um, and so it's summer, and we're planning a summer camp to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. What could go wrong with that, right? Take about 100 students to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 6th through 12th grade. Keep listening. All right, and, um, and, and so we get to a staff meeting that's about a week and a half out from this trip, and in the staff meeting, my pastor, in his wisdom, decided to do a budget check, uh, because me and and, and our our church administrator had put together the budget, and he just wanted to make sure that everything was going to get paid for. Now, I had made a similar mistake back in my intern days um, before college, but one thing we discovered in the staff meeting, again, about a week to a week and a half out, of this thirst camp, the first ever thirst camp. We based it off of Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so we, we took it and we did thirst camp. Pretty cool, right? We still got some t shirts if anybody wants something. Anyway, um, but uh, uh, so, so it was this dream to do our own camp, and we had gone out and gotten a speaker and a band that were coming in. We budgeted for all of that, right? But about about a week to a week and a half out sitting in the staff meeting, the church administrator and I looked at each other and realized we didn't budget for food. <laughs> now, it doesn't sound like too big of a deal if you've got your family, right? Throw, throw some Taco Bell meals together and you're good, right? But when you start thinking about 130 to 140 people, about 100 students plus 40 chaperones to make sure that those students come back, Right. It was about a thirty-five thousand dollar mistake. Mistake. Mistake, and it's uh, a lot. That's a lot of food, right? But we were there like six nights, seven, I don't know, five nights, six days, something like that. In fact, one among us here uh, was at Thirst Camp back in 2008. Her name is Christy Brown. She's right back there holding that cute little baby. She flew down from Maine to come to Thirst Camp, bless her heart. Oh, man, and her parents trusted me. Unbelievable, right? She's back. She, anyway, uh, she can attest to how great they ate. So we trimmed back, right? We trimmed back as much as we could, and we said, okay, we trimmed about $5,000 off of this budget mistake, and after my pastor had fired me and hired me back in that staff meeting, um, I kid you not, right? He said the words, you're fired. I walked out. He came back. I think he realized he was going to have to pull this off if he didn't hire me back. He looked at me. He's like, you got 24 hours before I pull the plug on this camp. You got 24 hours before I pull the plug in this camp to come up with thirty thousand dollars, because back then, right? And how many of you? How many of you have been in youth ministry? Okay, very good. The youth, we stick the youth out with car washes and all this stuff, and 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 to raise their own money. So we were responsible as a youth ministry to raise our own budget, to raise our own support for our youth group. And so uh, I started driving to one of my parents' shops, and just said, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to start going. And, and, and having conversations. And God put two people in my heart. So I called a guy named Garrett right away. And I said, Garrett, here's the situation, man. Um, if I don't find $30,000 in 24 hours, uh, then, then I'm, I'm out of a job, and, uh, essentially. And, uh, and so he, uh, he said, well, let me, I'm going fishing tonight with a guy let me have a conversation with him. I'll let you know how it goes about 10 o'clock or so. Okay, great, man. Thanks, buddy. Just, just keep me posted because you're all I've got. I get to my parent, my, my, one of my students, uh, hit, hit their, their parent's shop. I go and I sit down with the owner of the shop. His name was Wade. I said, Wade, here's where we're at. And he's like, well, Travis, uh, I can give you $7,000. I'm like, all right, great, $7,000. I left there and I just I just felt a peace that that was all I needed to do, and I can't def- I can't describe that peace, but I just felt the peace that was all I needed to do. We're still twenty three thousand dollars short. My buddy Garrett's about to go fishing and have a conversation, and I'm hoping for the best. I'm praying for the best, right? But but who knows, right? And I just remember praying this passage: "Oh Lord God, you know, I kid you not. I'm at Charlotte Motor Speedway. I'm driving by the speedway, and 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 just." I got a $7,000 check in the car and, and, and I'm driving and I'm just thinking, okay, God, you know, I'm putting all my faith into this one phone call I made into this one fishing ex- event that, that could turn into something that could turn into nothing. About 9.30 that night, my phone goes off and it's Garrett. Kristen and I are sitting in Bria's room, right? And, and, and we're, just, we're just kind of waiting uh, for the news. And, and I kid you not. Garrett didn't know about the $7,000 check. But on the other line he said Travis the guy said he's be, the guy was not a believer either. But just believed in students and and believed in what we were doing. He said he gave me a $23,000 check. I know that's not 30. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I hung up the phone and I I said I looked at Chris and I'm like we can eat. And we both just were like blown away in that moment. I mean, put yourself in that moment, right? Some of you may have been in some of those moments financially where you didn't know if you were going to pay rent or you didn't know if you were going to pay your mortgage or your car payment or this or that, be able to f- put food on your family's table or, you know, here's, here's a little bit more ramen, kids. I'm, I'm really hoping, you know, for, for, for something to come through, right? And in that moment, the presence of God hit me so hard, And it was like, I just heard God whisper in Bria's room that night, if you're in my will, you need not to worry. If you're in my will, you need not to worry. Went, took these kids to Myrtle Beach. We didn't eat near as good as we were hoping to eat. But listen, we had, you think it's a story about money, but hang on a second. We had 67 kids make decisions for Christ that week. 67 kids made decisions for Christ that week. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Christy, I think, had a decent time because she still hangs out with me from from time to time. I mean, she's here. (laughs) And we saw the glory of God. We ate Taco Bell, McDonald's. I think we had pizza one night. Little Caesars, we couldn't afford anything else. But we ate. We ate. I never heard, ever, ever, since then, I've never heard these words come out of a teenager's mouth since then. Pastor Travis, I just want a salad. (laughs) By the end of the week, they just wanted vegetables. Like, they were sick of the stuff that we were giving them. But they didn't know the story. Right? That was my, oh God, you know, moment and he came through. He came through. I'm, I'm going to tell you one more. We were sitting here. It was the summer of, oh, I think it was 2012, maybe 2013. Could have been 2014, somewhere in that three-year range. Our parking lot needed to be sealed something awful. This parking lot right out here. And, and we had somebody come and tell us, hey, if you, don't, if you don't seal that parking lot in the next year, you might as well just let it turn to gravel. You might as well just let it turn to sand. So, um, we, we had no money at the time as a church. We were week to week. We weren't even month to month. We were week to week. And so we, we launched a campaign kind of similar to the one we're in right now for like $7,000 to seal our parking lot because it was so bad they were going to have to do it twice. They were going to have to seal it once to do it twice. So we were having to pay double to seal the parking lot. And uh, so we, we launched a campaign for the whole summer, and I think we called it, We're Praying for 7,000, and uh, it was real creative. And, um, and, uh, and, and so we went, and it was Commitment Sunday, and guess who showed up? Wade, the guy that gave $7,000 to Thirst he has like He was in the racing business, and there was a race happening in New, in New Hampshire, a bunch of guys turning left. And he decided to, to stick around and come over to Maine and just see me and worship with us. He, he hadn't come before, and he hasn't been since. But Wade showed up that morning. He sat in the back right with his wife, Penny. And, um, and at the end of the service, we did the big ask, right, and the big offering. And Wade comes up to me after church. He said, hey, listen, all that money you just raised for your parking lot use it for the community, use it for lost people, use it for missions, something like that. I'm going to pay for your parking lot. I'll send you a check for $7,000 this week. Something about him and seven. Maybe I should call him let him know what we're doing right now as a church. No, but it was, yeah, I had another seven. Thanks, Jeannie, I'll let you call him. Um, But it was unbelievable, right? He's like, hey, just do this. And so I, I went and looked at And Kristen actually said that morning, she actually said that morning when she saw him walk in, she's like, he's going to pay for our parking lot. I'm like, you're crazy. He's not going to pay. Sure enough, she must have had a conversation with him. Oh, God, you know. Right? And how quickly, how quickly, here's my point in telling you those two stories. Right? How quickly we forget sometimes our oh, God, you know moments right? I mean, here Ezekiel is in this valley of dry bones, right? Seeing a vision from God, having a conversation with God, and God's saying these bones are very dry. They're dead. No question about it. They're just bones. They're bleached, right? And, um, they're bleached white, and, uh, and, and, and asking Ezekiel, can these bones live? Impossible situation, impossible task, and, and Ezekiel's response is beautiful. It's lovely. It's a posture that we ought to take more as the church of Jesus. God, if this is going to happen, you know this is in your hands. God, if we're going to go to Myrtle Beach and be able to feed kids, you know it's in your hands. We'll ask them to fast for the week if that's what you want us to do. This is in your hands. God, if you want us to, you know, if you want to send somebody to pay for the parking lot, that's, you know. Right? You know. All right, let's keep reading. Let's read. All right, verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy over the bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. You know what God's calling Ezekiel to here? To speak life into those bones. How intimidating, right? How intimidating, but how timely for us, church, God is calling Ezekiel here to speak, to prophesy, to speak life into these bones. And so what did Ezekiel do in verse 7? So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and, and behold, a rattling. And these bones came together, bone to its bone. Can you imagine that sound? Standing in this valley, seeing this vision. Hearing these bones rattle as they come together. What a sound that must have been. And I looked, verse 8, And behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had, become, had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Speak life to the breath. and Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as He commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. An exceedingly great army. I love there that He says army. Then He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, declares the Lord. I've spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. I want to look back at verse um, verse 11 here. God says to Ezekiel, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. That was their current reality. Their hope was lost, they were cut off, off they had no life in them they had no hope left and 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 so God says therefore prophesy and say to them thus says the Lord God behold i will i will So, there's a couple things that I want to point out here from this passage before we keep going. We're actually going to keep going past verse 14 into 15, because it's kind of like the seven signs of Jesus that we looked at in the book of John. There's a reason that God did this miracle. There's a reason that God showed Ezekiel this vision. And I want to get to that in about 45 minutes. But first, (laughs) but first, I want you to see that there was a command from God. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So God called Ezekiel to speak. Right, God called Ezekiel to speak to to speak life, and so many times I feel like I feel like we take the posture, right, church? I feel like we take the posture. Some of us take the posture, right? I won't lump all of you into that, but I feel like some of us take the posture of, you know what? Uh, um, I'm not going to speak life over this. I see that that person is struggling. I see that that person is is really needing a touch from God. I see that that person maybe maybe lost, maybe going down a different path. But we take the posture of I'm going to sit back and see what happens, right? I don't want to ruffle too many feathers, right? I don't, I don't, ah, I'm afraid that if I, if I try to speak, if I try to speak God's word, because that's prophecy, right? I'm saying speak life when, when I read prophecy, but prophecy is claiming scripture over someone else's life. It's not fortune-telling, Okay? You going up and prophesying over someone after service is not you going up and saying, Hey, I believe this week you're gonna see thousand dollars in the mail, and you ought to give that to the building fund. <laughs> okay, that's that's not prophecy. Prophecy is, is 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 walking up to somebody and saying, Hey, listen, and, and listen, and this has gotta be spurred on by God. It's gotta be spirit led. But it's walking up, it's walking up to to Aaron and saying, Hey, listen, man, I'm praying and claiming over your life an, oh God, you, mo- you know moment. I'm praying over your life an, oh God, you know moment. I'm speaking that, and I know it's hopeless. I know you lost your job in the last six months. I know you're, I know you're feeling alone. I know you're feeling like, 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 man, just all hope is lost. I'm praying an, oh God, you know moment in your life right now. Speaking it. I'm speaking it. I'm speaking it. Instead of sitting back and saying, oh, that's unfortunate sitting back and saying, mm, I'm going to let that play out. I'm going to let that play out. See, see, God clearly, in this vision, gives Ezekiel a command to speak life into the bones. Not to sit back and see what happens, but to speak life. And in that, right, there's a command, right? There was a command from God, but, but in that, Secondly, there was a promise to believe. Look at verses five and six. Thus says the Lord God to these bones: Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinners upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. The breath is huge in this story. The breath is huge in this passage because you can have skin, you can have flesh, and still be dead. You need the breath. And you know what that's? A, you know what that's pointing to? The Holy Spirit. The breath there, the breath there is the same word is the same word for Holy Spirit, and so and so what God is saying is that the Spirit is going to come and cause life, It's going to cause life for this army in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now I want you to get this: there was a command, but a command without a promise, right? A command without a promise is simply, um, uh, uh, you know. Hard to follow, right? It's hard to be obedient there. But, but God just didn't give Ezekiel a command. In verse 4, there was also a promise to believe. And, then, and what we see in verses 7 through 14 is that Ezekiel did both. He did both. He obeyed the command and he trusted the promise. And you could even flip that, right? Because he trusted the promise, he obeyed the command. Regardless, he did both. What did Ezekiel do? He acted. He acted. Man, I feel like we're back in August. I'm sweating up here for the first time in like three weeks. He acted. There was a response for Ezekiel to do. There was action. I think I've told you the story, but um, the the first time I threw my back out, uh, my coach coach came over to me at, at the gym I was at, and he looked at me, and the first word he said was, you're not as young as you used to be. And so I rebuked him, thought nasty things about him, didn't say him. I was proud of myself. And the second thing he said is, hey, the only way to avoid injury is to sit on the couch. It's to stay on the couch, Right. Ezekiel didn't stay on the couch in this situation. He he acted. There was a response and he responded. And I want to point out that there was no life. We've already talked about it for just a second, but I want to point out there was no life until the breath of God. When Ezekiel spoke the living word of God, the breath from God entered the bodies and they lived. They stood to their feet. What does this mean? That they were a divided and hopeless nation, but God. Look at your neighbor and say, but God. But God. They all needed the breath of God. They all needed the breath of God. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We all need the breath of God. I was praying with the worship team in the lobby this morning after they got done run run through, and we were just, we always get together and pray over the day. I said, listen. I feel like this is less. I feel like this is a message less about anything other than a spiritual awakening. I, I looked at him. And I said, "You know what I'm praying for this morning is I'm praying that God would wake some of us up. That God would wake some of us up. That for some of for some of us out here, for some of us out here, that He would breathe." life back into us. That He would breathe life back into you. That He would breathe life back into His church. That the values that have shifted and moved over the last six months or six years or whatever, that, 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 that there would be life back in Matthew 19, 26, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. See, too often, we're like that standing army that Ezekiel sees. Standing before him, flesh, bones come together, life-like, but not alive. Why? Because they didn't have breath. Then God breathed life into them. The breath of God. So why this vision? Why the valley of dry bones? Why the valley of dry bones? I'm glad you asked. So Ezekiel goes into what commentators call an action sermon. An action sermon. After the valley of dry bones, the the rest of chapter 37 is Ezekiel calling calling that army that had just been, had, had life breathed into them to action, calling it an action sermon. And here's, 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 here's how I want to illustrate this, because I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, right? Come, come here for a second, Dylan. Come here for a second. Can, can you come quickly? Maybe a little quicker. Herb could have been up here by now. Come on, man. Okay, what do I have here? I got two sticks. I got two sticks. Okay, Dylan is confirming they're two sticks. Everybody see that? Two sticks, two whole sticks. Okay, all right, Dylan, I'm gonna turn these two sticks into one stick. You think I can do it? Good luck. He just said good luck for those of you in the back. Okay, Dylan, I need you to turn around and point and, and just look at that beautiful tree right there. Can you turn around and point? Okay, Dylan, turn back around. I did it. That's, he said that's nice. I <laughs> thought I asked you to play along, Dylan. It's incredible. It's incredible, right? It's incredible. You know, I thought about taking this illustration a step further, Dylan. And having you hold these sticks and saying, I could make them into one, and getting tape and just taping it around, because then it could become one, right? Sure. But between us, there's no way for us to turn these two sticks into one, is there? No. Right? They're just two sticks that I got right over here about 15 minutes before the service started. Two sticks, right? That's his exact... Thank you, Dylan. Everybody give Dylan a hand. You you did lovely. You did lovely. You want a stick? No, you're good? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's look at verse 15 after that commercial break. The Lord came to me, Ezekiel speaking again, Son of man, take a stick. And write on it for Judah and the people of Israel associated with them. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him. So, what you have here, what God calls Ezekiel to do is you got a stick, right, for Judah, and you have a stick for Joseph and their tribe, right? And then look what happens. Verse 17 And join them one to another into one stick that they may become one in your hand. Okay, anyway, right? One in your hand, don't miss, don't miss it. And when your people say to you, will you not tell us what you mean by these? verse verse 19 say to him say to them excuse me thus says the lord god behold i'm about to take the stick of joseph that is in the hand of ephraim and the tribes of israel associated with him and i will join with it the stick of judah and make them one stick that they may be one in my hand why did god bring these dry bones to life that they would be one The call here, the reason for this vision for Ezekiel to see these dry bones come to life is that there would be one people, that there would be one army undivided before God. And who is the only one that could accomplish that? Oh, Lord, you know. You see that? The beauty of this text Later on, fast forward, right, to John chapter 17, Jesus praying his high priestly prayer before God on his way to the cross, saying, God, he he prays for three groups of people. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. Excuse me, he prays for his disciples first, verses one through five, then verses six through 13. He prays for himself, the longest amount of time. He spends praying for himself and, and just reminding Father that he had been obedient. He had been obedient. And then at the end, he prays for all of those who believe. You know the implication of that church? That on the, way to, on the way to the cross, if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, sitting on this property, right, that Jesus prayed for you in John chapter 17 because he prayed for all those who believe. What did he, what did he pray for, Rob? I'm glad you asked, buddy. He prayed that we would be one. Just... As he and the Father are one, listen to me, listen to me let's make let 's not make light of this church that's the I believe that's one of the missions of the church is to accomplish the prayer of Jesus to be one, two sticks, right, two backgrounds. not all our preferences have to we don 't have to like the same movies. A lot of people hear a message about unity and they think oh i 've got to like the same songs I've got to like the same movies i 've got to have all the same preferences, the same foods, right all of those things no 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 no, no. listen that they would be one just as he and the Father are one. One of the biggest missions of the church is to maintain the unity of the gospel that Jesus prayed for in John 17 and that God showed Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 37 by taking two sticks and making them one. Somebody say amen and get excited for Jesus this morning. That's awesome. And may we not gloss over That we have been called by God as God called Ezekiel to speak life, to prophesy over these bones, that we have a responsibility as that one church that Jesus prayed for in John 17, that God brought together two sticks, made one stick in Ezekiel 37. And we could talk about other references from scripture, but let's just stop there for the sake of time. The Pats play at one. Let's not take it lightly that God has given us this mission as a church in 2020 to maintain the unity of the gospel by speaking the life of the gospel to every person that he would give us a platform to and not be passive with our faith and be a, I'm just going to see what happens people God didn't go through what he went through. He didn't do the valley of dry bones. He didn't do the two stick thing. He didn't do the seven signs of John. He didn't send his son to the cross, bury him, raise him from the dead, ascend him into heaven. He didn't take Paul on the three missionary journeys in Acts. He didn't do all that he did in Scripture, the Bible don't lie, so that we could be a passive church in 2020. There's a command to hear from Scripture. There's a promise to believe from Scripture for the church today, just like there was in Ezekiel 37. But our response has to be to act. Our response has to be. That we're not going to be a sit-back and passive church. That we're going to be active for what? For the unity of the church and the furtherance of the gospel. That is every church's mission. It ought to be to know Him and to make Him known, to love Jesus and love others, right? We've seen it in a hundred thousand different ways, but it's twofold. To act And to trust. To act in response to the command to speak life. And to trust the God that calls the command. And if that's our focus, listen to me. If that's our focus, church. Spiritual awakening. To do that all together. As individuals, I want you to see what happens. God brings the sticks together. I don't have to do a magic trick up here with Dylan. I, don't, I, I can't force unity. I've tried. I could tell you some stories about how that went. Just yesterday, Bria and Micah were cleaning up the garage for me, and they got after it. One of them pushed the other, the other kind of <laughs> the other and stuff like that. It was real awesome. And so I, I was bringing them down together. I was trying to figure out how I was going to discipline them, and, and uh, I was having a conversation with my mom, and so I was trying to impress my mom with my, you know, my discipline skills, right, show her that she did a decent job. And uh, so, so, so I had an idea, as one of them was telling me and recounting what happened, I said, here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to set a timer. And, and Bria caught on immediately. She said, oh, no. I'm going to set a timer, and you guys have to hug each other until the alarm goes off. You know what was interesting? They weren't mad at each other anymore. <laughs> they were hugging, and they were... Anyway, it was pretty cool. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It's kind of like in marriage counseling... So you might want to think twice before you ask me. One of the first things I love to do with couples is have them stare in the eyes of each other for five minutes. I love it. It's so fun. Right? It's so fun. But here's the reality. So many times we do side by side in marriage that we forget to look each other in the eye. And you know what? Sometimes I feel like that as the body of Christ. That we do so much side by side, or we just, you know, especially now... Especially now when we're all scattered and we don't really know what the right hand's doing and, and all this. And we, we've got a foot, but we're not sure where it's stepping. You know, we're, we're just kind of out of touch with, you, with each other, right? It would do us good sometimes to just sit and look at each other. And remind, and remind ourselves while we're doing this. Remind ourselves while we're doing this. So God took these two sticks and He brought them together for the purpose of unity. Right, Two sticks become one. And we see there in verses 15 through 23 that God would cleanse them and renew their spiritual life within them so that they no longer had ambitions to compete with one another, that old jealousies and rivalries would go, and that they would together do two things. Humble themselves, follow the command, and seek the Lord. Trust God. That they would follow the command and seek the Lord just like Ezekiel did in the Valley of Dry Bones. God would so order and bless the nation that they would become one. I want you. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read from 26 to the end. I will make a covenant of peace with them. I ran out of time. It shall be an everlasting covenant. With them, and I will set them in their land and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. Verse 27 Get this, my dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Why does God do all of this? Never so that the people get the glory but always so that He can be with His people forever and receive the glory He deserves. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Where the glory of God will dwell in this new temple. Central to their unity in verses 26-28 through 28 would be a new temple we talked about that in the book of Haggai in their wilderness days Israel had the tabernacle had the tabernacle to unite the camp of Israel with each tribe assigned to a, a specific place to pitch their tents so was the temple, a place to come and gather and celebrate feasts, a place to come and offer sacrifices and repent after Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus, that was the reason all the churches were planted. Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1, 10, to cultivate unity in the church, Ephesians 4, 3, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And as we close this morning, I just want to tell you that sometimes it takes prayer, sacrifice, patience. We can keep going to maintain the unity of God's people, but it's important that we do. Because here's the truth. A divided church is not a strong church. A divided church is not a strong church or a church bearing witness to the grace and glory of God. And so what do we need today? We need the fresh wind of the Spirit to give us new life. Awakening. Awakening. God brought these people to life in order that the people would recognize their need for Him by humbling themselves and seeking Him so that they could carry out His mission as his body. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So my my prayer for you today, as we wrap this up, is threefold. It's threefold. Okay, it's threefold. Number one is this. There's a command. Right? There's a command to seek the Lord. And so my my prayer for us is that we respond to that command by seeking the Lord. First. First. And and over your life, over your marriage, over your finances, over your your kids, over your job, that you would seek the Lord. By seeking Him, secondly, that you would trust Him. That you would trust Him you would trust Him. My prayer, my prayer for us today, Summit, listen, my prayer for us today, and I, and I kid you not, I don't even know what it looks like. I don't even know what it looks like, but, I, but as I studied this passage this past week, Ezekiel 37, I just, I just thought, God, we need a God you know moment. We need a God you know moment. We need a God you know moment. Not just with the building. Look, put the building aside now. I believe some of you need a God you know moment in your life. That you just need God to make yourself real, make himself real to you again. That you need awakening. You're standing there, you keep showing up, but there's no life, there's no passion. There's no excitement. There's no peace. because I'm praying those things first for you and then and then thirdly, and I believe, listen, hear me clearly, I believe that this happens if, the, if we if we pray the first two first, that the third is going to happen. I'm asking that you would seek God, that you begin to seek God over what He would have you give to this building. It was a value. See, see, can I be real for a second? It's hard for me to talk about because I know many of us have the conversation. may we not worship a building right may we not may may we not make everything about a building but hear me church ever since the beginning there's been a place for the people of God to gather and experience the glory of the lord there's been a place for people to gather and experience the glory of the lord i can't tell you how many times over the last month or so as we've started to talk about this building a little bit more people are like all right we're not we're not building a, we're not building a monument right we're not building this we're not building that no no no, no. we're not building that but we are building a place for the people of God can gather together and not divided in two, three, four, five, six, seven services, bless, bless, right? But where the people can gather together for the glory of the Lord and worship Him because that's scriptural, okay? I'm all about it. If we can gather in a field and experience the glory of the Lord, that's great. But listen, let's be practical for a minute, church. January's coming, If we're in North Cackalacky, remember the Greek for Carolina. If we're in North Kakalaki, we're having a different conversation. We can do a tent. But January's coming. And so, I'm not saying we worship a building. Hear me. I'm not saying we build a monument. Hear me. I'm not saying we put the Carlson's name or Herb's name on the building. Call it, you know, the the Herb Worship Center. Reese's for Jesus. Okay? I'm not saying we do any of that. I'm not saying we do any of that. I'm not saying we do any of that. Right? But... A building for the people of God. A place for the people of God to come and celebrate what God's doing in people's life and worship together and experience the glory of the Lord. A place where communion and fellowship happens and you see and you hear God is essential to the people of God. It's essential to the people of God. Man, I thought you were clapping. You were just patting your little girl's back. Bummer. So, seek God first. Trust His promises. And would you pray what you're gonna, for what you're going to give to this thing? Would you pray for what you're going to give to this thing? I've already been blown away by this thing. I've already been blown away by this thing. Listen, they want to remain anonymous right now, and that's awesome. I'm proud of that. But listen, that top tier, you're going to see it, the, the banner and all that stuff with all the different levels of giving. That top level, the $60,000, it's already been given. A tenth of this campaign is already done. It's already done. It's already done. It's already committed. It's already committed. But that doesn't mean we only need one. I mean, you can do that too. Don't, don't feel like you don't have... Just... Right? Just... I, but listen, all joking aside, seriousness. I want you to pray. The reason we're doing these prayer times on the land is not to get you all emotional and try yada yada. No, we want you to see the mission and the vision of a church gathering together and coming together for the glory of the Lord and two sticks becoming one and the beauty of that, but it's not going to be a resting place. We're building a place where we're going to preach the gospel and we're going to speak life into a community that we can't do here so that God can show off. And his kingdom can grow. And please don't miss the message. It starts here. God, you know. God, you know. God, you know. Worship team's going to come. Let's pray. And as we pray this morning, I've really felt all morning, and I've tried to battle it with God, but I've really really felt led to pray a specific way this morning. And so I want to explain to you how I'm going to pray while these guys are getting set. When we talk about unity around the mission of Jesus for His church, God for His church. You know what the enemy wants to divide. When we talk about trusting God, you know what the enemy wants to come and give you every reason to question. And so I I believe in this message, and I've I've thought all morning. Okay, God, you've got to protect the minds, you've got to protect the ears, you've got to protect the hearts of people as they leave this place, because I just I just I just know the enemy. And so I want to pray a prayer of protection against evil as we go, as we pray for unity around this vision, around this mission in our church that two sticks become one, that we pray against division. Man, there are so many things out there if we're not careful, and if we don't armor up Ephesians 6, there are so many things that can steal our joy and that can take unity right out the window right now and divide and so this prayer is a prayer of protection will you stand with me if you're able let's pray god god i pray for the belt of truth for the helmet of salvation for the breastplate of righteousness for the sword of the spirit for the armor that you give us in Ephesians 6, that you explain there from Paul to the church at Ephesus. God, I pray that we we would press into you knowing that unity comes from you, knowing that peace in our hearts comes from you. God, I pray that we would humble ourselves and seek your face. God, and that we would God, that we would trust your promises and that we would, we would show that we trust your promises by acting, by responding to the call that you've given your church to unity and the furtherance of the gospel as you and your son did. And so God, I pray over your people this morning that you stir our hearts to you most of all. And God, for anybody sitting here, or standing here before me this, this morning, God, that, that, that's just dry. That's just dry. God, that could sit and say, you know what, I identify with that valley of bones. I identify with needing a little bit of life. I identify with needing less apathy. I identify with needing a breath from God, a spiritual awakening. God, I pray that in their life. God, I pray that you would cause flesh and breathe life into that body, into that person, that they wouldn't be passive anymore, that they wouldn't be apathetic anymore, but they would, that they would strive after you and speak life over themselves and anybody they come in contact with. God, that we would be a church that's not passive about our faith or about our mission, but that we would embrace it and run with it. Trusting you. Seeking after you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.